Yeah, that'll do. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Obi. Good grief. It's not even that warm in here this morning. It's just... Oh, is it? It is warm in here. Okay, good. All right. I, I thought it was just me. It's a different <laughs> Very good. All right, that's all right. I was beginning to think maybe I should see my doctor. Um, I mean, I'm doing that too. Uh, your prayers will be appreciated for those of you who have been join- journeying with my uh, health saga over many, many years. I have an ultrasound this uh, Wednesday, an abdominal ultrasound. Emma is coming with me. She wants to get a printout. Um, she's already put it in my diary with a little picture of a baby in it. But uh, of the many things that they could find, I'm hoping that's not one of them. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, prayers would be appreciated that that won't be in vain. I'd really like them to find something. And then I'd like my healing. Uh, my liver levels have not been good for some time now, so we're checking that out. Uh, but I mean, I mean, God is, God is the sustainer, and meanwhile, I'll just sweat through whatever we're doing this morning. Thanks, Arman. Uh, a couple of things that I want you to be aware of before I get into my sermon this morning. Uh, you'll have seen it in your bulletin already. Next Sunday, we've already talked as Mike's birthday. Uh, we're going to be having a shared lunch, but also... We have the privilege of having World Vision with us again next weekend. Uh, World Vision, um, we partnered with about about two years ago now, I think. Um, and we started this relationship with Koraconda, a community in India. And, and many of us here sponsored children. Uh, and then over the last uh, year or so, things have got become a little bit difficult. The Indian government shut down all of the inflow for World Vision. Uh, wouldn't let any money in, wouldn't let any of it be distributed. Uh, most of World Vision India have lost their jobs. And so it was about a year where they said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to redirect your money? And I said, no, we're going to passionately pray. Uh, we're going to believe for a breakthrough. And um, so we've been doing that. Uh, unfortunately, in this case, the breakthrough has not come in the way that we would have liked it. Uh, and World Vision, because they've told their staff, look, go and find other jobs. Um, don't wait for us. Uh, and there was some looking like maybe things could open up, but it would be like a month before they close it all down again. And so there just wasn't the confidence in that time. Uh, so there's still, still very much humanitarian work going on in India, uh, but our, our funds and our support have had to be redirected for the time being. So those of you who have um, sponsored children in Karakunda, India, should have already received an email uh, from World Vision about that. Uh, but we're committed to continuing to work um, with World Vision uh, and building a new relationship um, as the Lord leads. And we've been offered an opportunity uh, to do that with a village called Liguru in Tanzania. And so next weekend, we're going to have another chosen service. Uh, those of you who are at our first chosen service will remember the significance and the impact of that. World Vision now no longer uh, brings you all the pictures of the children and, and hangs them up like property. They now instead, those of us who want to sponsor, uh, volunteer ourselves and our photos are given to them, which is so much more empowering for these communities. So here are families who care about you uh, and you get to pick one. And so if you would like to be chosen, uh, then next week is the week to be here. Even if you're not sure that you can support that, I would still encourage you to get along uh, to be a part of this because this is a significant relationship that we as the church want to build, both with those who are sponsoring, but also we want to be prayerfully invested in the, in the, um, in the region of Liguru in Tanzania. So I uh, come along to that. We're going to have, those of you who listen to Radio Rima might know Kat. Uh, anyone here listen to Radio Rima? No, some of you know Kat. Kat's going to be preaching next Sunday, so um, you're in for a treat. Uh, it's going to be good. She's been to uh, Liguru in Tanzania, so she'll be able to tell us um, some of the wonderful things that God is up to there. So I encourage you to come along for that. While we're talking about missions, uh, Joel and Lizzie, uh, you would have got an email a couple of weeks ago that we're taking up an offering. No one's talked about that in the Sunday service because I've got a memory like a Sith. Uh, but this morning, if you would like to partner with Joel and Lizzie, who are our missionaries who work in Kolkata, uh, they work with the Loyal Workshop, which is all about uh, redeeming people from trafficking and, and the trade and giving them an alternative way of life. And they're going back now with their two children. Uh, and so if you would like to partner with them, there's a few expenses. One in particular is a camera uh, that they need to purchase for their marketing side of things because, again, things in India have tightened up and all their marketing rules have changed, so they're now having to do a lot of that themselves. Uh, if you would like to give to them, you can do that in our red box where our offerings and donations go. Uh, just make sure anything you put in there for them is marked for Joel and Lizzie, um, and we will make sure that that gets to them. 
And then there's one final thing that I want to take just a moment of your time before we get into the word to talk about, because this one's really dear to me. Uh, I think it's easy to just pass it by. She's going to be really cross at me. Uh, but the lovely Sue had a birthday this week. And, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody makes a fuss of me when I have a birthday in here, and so I just wanted to return the favour. And we just wanted to say, Sue, we appreciate you. Uh, we love you. We honour you for the work that you do. Uh, most of these people know that I could go away for a year and things would be fine. If you go away for two weeks, we're in a lot of trouble. Um, but not just for what you do for the organisation, but for who you are, uh, your friendship to me, uh, and your friendship to many others here. So um, come on, can we put our hands together for Sue and wish her a happy birthday this week? You know you love it. There's, there's some very special pikelets in your honour this morning, which is unintentional, but Gordon and Nedra came prepared for the shared lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon came prepared for the shared lunch. She's like, don't throw me under that bus. <laughs> so there you go. Um, excellent. Lots of things going on in the House of God. In fact, if you've got in your bulletins on the back page, there's a highlight of just all the different things that the Connect Mulber Trust and Connect are up to. And it, it paints a, an incredible picture, really, of just the footprint that we are leaving in our community uh, in the name of Jesus. And as we leave that footprint... I want to continue our ser- series this morning, series, our series this morning, gosh, it's my head they should be scanning, uh, on the spirit. We've been talking about the spirit. And remember, if you go back to the first week when we talked about this, I, talked, I said Jesus considers the Holy Spirit central to the Christian life and Christian mission. So much so that Jesus said to his disciples after he'd been resurrected, and he had taken that, he said, all authority on heaven and earth belongs to me. So you go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize them. Remember his earlier command, he said, you know, preach, to heal the sick, uh, cast out demons. And so he's given them all of this authority and all of this directive and this mission. And he says, but do not go until the Holy Spirit has come in power. And we read about that in the books of Acts. We talked in that first week about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Last week, we talked about the five functions of the prophetic. Uh, I got a lot of helpful feedback um, in that, that that was really helpful for people. I saw that kind of unfold a little bit at our men's group on Wednesday night, saw people sharing and and branching into that together. Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit, which is in you for your sake and on you for the sake of others, there's an inworking and an outworking of the Holy Spirit. But I believe that the Holy Spirit, as Jesus did, is central for Christian life. That's the inworking and Christian mission, the outworking. And so I wanted to explore in this series, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? How can we strengthen and build our relationship with the Holy Spirit, who is a person, right? Not a, it's not, sometimes we think about it like the force from Star Wars or some kind of like mythical whatever. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's the, he is the third part of the Godhead. How can we get to know him? How can we work uh, better with him so that we can be more effective in our Christian living and in our Christian mission? Because I believe we all want to be more effective in that, right? As I look around the room, I see so many people here who I know are involved. You're involved in Christian mission. You're involved in serving others. Uh, and, And I know, and I know from myself, that that's always easier when the Holy Spirit's involved. I know, I can tell you what, I can get off a Sunday service and go, I did not lean into the Holy Spirit enough on that sermon. These ones are a real challenge, right? Because you're preaching on the Spirit. So you've really got to lean in. Uh, life is easier when we do things with the Spirit of God. So much so that the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you as well. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power, his word says. We looked at that last week as well. And this morning I want to look at This topic, discerning the voice of God. Discerning the voice of God. See, we want to be spirit-led people. Amen? We want to be spirit-led people. But one of the questions that often comes up is, how do I know if it's God? Have you ever asked that question? How do I know if it's God? You ever had a thought? You ever had a direction, a prompting, a word for someone, and you've gone, how do I know whether that's like God or whether that's just me? And so I want to like explore that a little bit this morning, but I'm not going to give you an answer in the way that you might think. I want to give you something different. We're going to look at some scriptures, and by the end, I believe you will be confident enough that actually in your Christian life, you can confidently know that you are discerning the Word of God. How good would that be? 
to confidently know that you were discerning the Word of God. Let's start with um, a couple of questions. Does God still speak? Is God still speaking to his church? See, this is, you could get all sorts of theology around this question. You know, is God still speaking? Some people go, no, no, God spoke to his apostles. Then they gave us the Holy Scripture. Now we've got Scripture. God doesn't speak anymore because he's already said it. Which, okay. But I think what you'll find this morning as we look is that, in fact, the Bible says of itself, if everything that Jesus did and said was written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it. The Bible is the most powerful book in the world. Is Jesus still speaking? And the Bible has something to say about this, I believe. And so we're going to start this morning in John chapter 16. I'm reading from the NLT this morning. I jumped into the NIV last week, but I missed it, so I'm coming back. John chapter 16, and I'm going to read verse 12 to 15, which is the first note in your bulletin, in your sermon notes, if you're taking notes this morning. John chapter 16, verse 12 to 15, the work of the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, there is so much more I want to tell you. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. But when the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory. This is Jesus. He will bring Jesus glory by telling you whatever he receives from him, from Jesus. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So Jesus says to his disciples who have journeyed with him for three years, he says to them, there's more that I have to say to you, but you're not ready for it, right? Now, I believe if we were to take that thought, the natural, again, he says, because he will, he will talk to you about the things concerning the future. How many people here have a future? Hopefully. If you don't know you have a future, again, there's a verse for that too. We'll talk about that another week. But those of us, again, you're living right now into the future. And, and so Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will lead you into the things concerning the future. The future doesn't end. The future keeps going. And so I believe that as we look at this discerning the voice of God, the answer to the question is, does God still speak? Is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Because there are things that he's teaching us, that he's showing us, that he's revealing to us through his word, through his spirit, that you weren't ready for five years ago, that I wasn't ready for five years ago. Man, perhaps that I wasn't ready for five minutes ago. <laughs> but so this scripture gives us some idea uh, that God is still speaking, that Jesus has more to say to you and I. Which is encouraging because that means that Jesus is still speaking into the political realm that we find ourselves in, the economic time we find ourselves in. It means that Jesus is still speaking into, into the whole, like sometimes it's easy to go, the Bible doesn't say anything about AI. You know, and if you're one of those tech people here, you're going, man, that's a whole other thing. I've, I've got friends who are very involved in that sphere and, and very, very Christian in the sense of they're listening to what God is talking about in that space and they're finding truth hidden in scripture, uh, but also through the leading of the Holy Spirit because God still speaks to his people. And many of you maybe have had experiences of that. Uh, there's another scripture I want to take a look at this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 to 16. And the end, it's just, it's verse 16 in your notes. So 1 Corinthians 2, 16, but I'm going to read from 9 through to 16. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, this is Paul teaching the church at Corinth. Not the disciples, he's not teaching other apostles, he's teaching the disciples. Uh, he's teaching the church in Corinth, modern Christianity at, at its time, all of the church. This is why the scriptures, what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things, how? By his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except a person's own spirit. 
And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit. He's reminding them, right, what we were talking about back in week one. We have received God's spirit. He's including them in this. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual, only those who have God's Spirit, can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate these things, but they, will them, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. You ever felt crazy? Anyone else ever told you you're crazy? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? This is Paul quoting scripture. He says, but we understand these things. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are not our thoughts. But it doesn't say that they're unknowable. In fact, it says that in here what Paul is saying is that the gift that God has given us, Ephesians chapter 1 talks about the God who fills everything in every single way, who's the head of the church, reveals these things by his spirit to us and that we can have the mind of Christ. So not only is God still speaking, but those who call him Lord can hear him. Amen? You can hear, you can discern the voice of God this morning. And we hear this, we, you'll hear people from time to time say, like, God told me or God showed me or I saw in the Spirit. And, and, and so you might go, well, how do you know? How do we know? The answer we find in John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is often the verse we pull out and it talks about, you know, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. And we, we know that bit. And we go, Jesus has come that we may have life and life to the full. But there's this other part and there's this verse and uh, in, in starting in verse one because the passage is called the good shepherd and his sheep. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4, John chapter 10, verse 4, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of him, and they follow him because they know his voice. Jesus says his sheep know his voice. So the question becomes, how do I discern the voice of God? How do I know? Well, according to John chapter 10, we can't separate discerning the voice of God from knowing the person of God. When we know God, we'll know his voice. Here's the thing. My beautiful wife's in the service today. I think this is the first time you've managed to sit in one of my sermons for more than two years. Very exciting. My wife knows my voice. I know my wife's voice because we know each other. When I was dating Emma, I'm going to throw some people under the bus here, which is going to be hilarious, because Jacob, her brother, was what, maybe like 12, maybe even younger, 11. And I used to ring the house. And one of the things that used to amuse me was that at that stage, Jacob hadn't entered that stage of life where your voice gets deeper yet. And I could never tell whether it was Jacob or Jess who answered the phone, Emma's sister, because they both had the same voice. But I always knew if it was Emma who answered the phone, because I knew her voice. Now, I know her voice so well that if she rings me, even from an unknown number, I can answer the phone, I can hear her voice, and I can tell you what mood she's in. I know her voice because I know her. Now, if you don't know Emma, she might say something to you and you go, did she mean that? Was that serious or was she joking? You know, was that? But I know my wife. 
And therefore, I recognize her voice. Imagine if, you know, I got up in the morning. Imagine if you got up in the morning with your spouse or, or whatever it was, and, and, and they told you to get married. You go, was that really you? Was that, was that really my wife? Now, can you please take out the rubbish? I don't think that was, I don't think that was my wife. It's the enemy. He's trying to, he's just trying to trap me. I see what's happening here. I'm not going to take the rubbish out. I'm not going to do that thing. No, when we know someone, we know their voice. We recognize their voice. So the best way, we cannot separate discerning the voice of God from knowing the person of God. And the best way that you can be equipped to discern the voice of God is to know Him, is to know Him. And so really what I want to look at, despite the fact that the sermon is called Discerning the Voice of God, is how do we know God? Now Shane unpacked some brilliant stuff over the weekend on what it means to know God. But what does it mean to know him? And is that something we really want to do? See, as we're hungry for the things of the Spirit of God, I'm reminded of stories in Scripture, the sons, the sons of Sceva who wanted the power of God without the knowledge of the person of God. You know, they'd seen Paul moving in the miraculous, and so they, they, decide, they have this moment and they go, all right, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, they had no idea who Jesus was. They go, Jesus, and the, and, and the demons they were trying to cast out go, well, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who the heck are you? There's this other story of a sorcerer who again sees the apostles at work and says, how do I buy that gift? I want to buy what you've got. I want to be able to do that. That would make me heaps of money. That would get me heaps of speaking engagements. That would make my ministry way bigger. And Paul rebukes him. Because he says, you want the gift without the relationship with the person. You want to know the voice, but you don't want to know God. Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And so discerning the voice of God comes back to this. I can discern him when I know him. And look, I'm going to give you something super simple, but if you can apply it, it's super powerful in your life this morning. Can someone, can I just grab, because I've got a filled out notes here, but I need a blank one. Has anyone got a blank one next to you in a bulletin somewhere? Or? No, you're using yours. That's okay. Thank you kindly. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything for you, you know? Otherwise, you'll end up with a bunch of blanks. Okay, three easy steps. You'll see them bullet pointed. One, two, three. This is how we know God. This is how we draw close to God. And in that, we hear his voice. And when we hear his voice, we know that it's him. In fact, let me give you one more scripture before we do that. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is amazing because Jesus says, he starts, it's the famous verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So again, you, you want, because he's about to talk about the Holy Spirit, but before he mentions any of that, he says, I am the way. The way to discerning the voice of God is relationship with Jesus. He says, I am the way. And it's beautiful because we've had John 10, where Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. John 16, which we started with, where Jesus says, I've got so much more to tell you. And then in the middle, we've got John 14, where Jesus says this. Let's start in verse 15 to 21. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. That's Jesus, right? And later will be in you. We see that in Acts. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father loves them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. Again, Jesus says, if you know me, you will hear me and you will recognize me. And then in verse 25 and 26, which we're going to come back to soon, it says, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. 
But when my Father sends the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So we're going to see that in a minute. The the functions of the Holy Spirit, He will teach you and He will remind you. Discerning the voice of God requires knowing Him. And knowing Him requires us to come to him. Come to him. Or perhaps come back to him. There's a word beginning with R for that. It's repentance. Knowing God, drawing close to God, starts with our repentance. Repentance, you know, we often think of it as this deep thing about regret, and, and, but it's just simply coming back to God. You know, one of the easiest ways to get to know someone, be with them. <laughs> Again, I remember when Emma and I were dating, we'd find every excuse possibly to come back to each other all the time. You have to be careful though, right? Because like later on, you start, if you're not careful, you start, I start trying to find every excuse to be away from that person because you start to also know all their bad habits. I would never want to be away from Emma. She wants, like, I just, I, I married up. Love you. I uh, feel sorry for you, but love you. Um, see, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 7. Or verse 8 is what you've got in your notes. says this. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Verse 9 goes on and says, Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. We don't like these verses, but it says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Discerning the voice of God requires knowing God. Knowing God requires coming to Him. Repentance. An acknowledgement that actually I don't spend as much time with you or close to you as I would like to. When I spend time with my wife, I know her heart and then I know her voice and I know her words. Number two is yield to him. Yield to him. We don't use this word yield much anymore. But to be yielded means to be submitted. It means to be surrendered. It means a little bit like what I was talking about in the bulletin, talking about that inattentive attention. It means I'm not only in his presence, I'm surrendered to him. You can come to church every day of your life, and you know every week of your life, and never be surrendered to him. You can read your Bible, you can be close to him, but you can be unyielded. And sometimes we think we're yielded, and then God goes, what about that? And you go, Everything but that. You can have anything but that. God, I give you everything except that bit in the corner. I surrender some. But the more we yield to God, and that word, yield, is really just about, it begins with, oh, it's obedience, right? Remember Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And my God will send, it's, it's about being yielded. It's knowing him starts with being with him, coming to him and then yielding to him. And nobody ever gets that right, this side of glory. We are on a journey progressively as Christians of yielding to God. Hopefully you're more yielded this week than you were last week. Hopefully you're more yielded this year than you were last year. The pursuit of Christianity, of being a Christ follower, is that we would live a more yielded life. Remember where... where um, John the Baptist says, I must decrease that he might increase. But that's a hard prayer to pray because we live in a world that everybody wants increase. But as Shane talked about last week when he was here, the the lie of the sacred object, we get all that increase and then go, well, it's still not what I wanted. Because increase isn't what I was created for. I was created to yield to the one who created me. Obedience. 
You know, Ephesians chapter 4 and chapter 5, I don't have time to, to go through them all this morning with you, but um, if, if we did, Ephesians 4 and, and, and 5 talks about um, living in the light. Talks about we have the Spirit within us. Therefore, let's be filled with the Spirit. Let's, let's um, live by the Spirit's power. Uh, let me pull out just a couple. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like those who are fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand that the Lord wants what, what sorry. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Living by the Spirit's power is the title of that section. And living by the Spirit's power, everything Paul describes is being yielded. We come to him in repentance. We yield to him in obedience. And then finally, number three, we abide in him. We abide in him. And the word I've put there, beginning with R, is residence. Residence. See, nearly knocked myself out. There came a part, there came a time in my journey with my wife where, you know, it, was, it got tiresome visiting each other at each other's house. And then eventually, my wife moved to Invercargill. And if I wanted to continue to draw close to her, I had to drive ten and a half hours. <laughs> Love, no, ten and a half at night time, you're all right. It's, it's good. No trucks, no, no nothing. Okay, 12 hours if that's what if it makes you feel better. And so I used to get home from, the, from, from my job at night time. I'd go to bed. I'd get up at about 11 o'clock and I'd go, if I drive through the night, I'll be there by about 11 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> and I'd get there because love makes you do stupid things when you want to be close to a person. But there came to a point where actually we said, you know what, this is more. You know, we met, we were 16 when we got together. We didn't get a half our lives. Feels like an eternity for you, doesn't it? It's... <laughs> And there came a point where we went, you know what, this is the real deal. It's time for us to actually commit to each other. We got married and then we moved into the same residence. And we lived together. And now the call of our relationship is to abide with each other. To stay, to remain with each other. Jesus says these words in John chapter 15. Did I give you John 15? I don't think I did. I'm just going to read them. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Other translations say, abide in me, and I abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I remain in them, they will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Interestingly, that then goes into chapter 16, which talks about the work of the Holy Spirit, which we read before. So this whole, this whole picture, right? Jesus is teaching his disciples, if you want to be able to discern the voice of God, because I'm going to send you out into the world. John chapter 10, my sheep know my voice. John chapter 14, uh, where he talks about that the Holy Spirit will come. Yield to me. John chapter 15, remain in me. John chapter 16, for I have more to say to you. So the, the invitation from God, you want to be able to discern the voice of God, it starts with knowing God. And the joy of our Christian faith is that Jesus says, come to me, know me. To as many as received him, he gave the right to be called children of God. So how do we, know, how do we discern the voice of God? By knowing God. How do we know God? Number one, we come to him. In repentance. Number two, we yield to him in obedience. And number three, we abide in him in our residence. 
And I remember a couple of years ago being in a place where I went, you know, God, I know you're there. I just feel like you're a long way off. And I recognized that what I'd stopped doing in the busyness of life, because we all get caught in this, right? We all get caught in this. Like this, the demands of the world we live in, even the demands of ministry, it's easy to get so caught up in the task that we miss the abiding. And Jesus said to me, I didn't call you to work for me. I called you to abide in me. Because if you want to work for me, like, you know, the fruit of that, right? Because it says you'll produce much fruit, but the fruit that you produce comes from the abiding. And yet how quick are we? We come to him in repentance. We yield to him in obedience. And then we get stressed and we go, I've done all those things, but I'm just going to keep working over here. And God, I could really use your help. He says, abide in me, reside in me, and I will reside in you. How are we going? You managing to keep up with my notes? If you haven't, I'll fill them in afterwards. John chapter 15, we, we just read, you know, abide in me and I will abide in you. One of the other ones that I love, one of my favorite pieces of scripture, Psalm 91. It says this. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High dwells, resides, abides. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And later on, it says this. He will call to me and I will answer. When we abide in him, He speaks, and his sheep know his voice. I find that the times that I'm struggling the most to discern the voice of God, where I go, God, is that you? Is actually when I'm just not abiding, or I'm not yielding, or I'm not repenting. And actually, when I'm living in a lifestyle of those three things, of coming to him, yielding to him, abiding in him, I find I don't have to ask that question. I don't have to ask the question, God, was that you? Because I know his voice. So the next time you go, God, is that you? Maybe the prompt for us is, God, I need to get with you. I need to come to you. God, I need to yield to you. God, I need to abide in you and and take that time And you might still be going, how? I'm going to give you with the time we've got left. I'm doing all right. I thought we were running behind. Five, five things. I'm going to give you five things. There's five blanks either. Five <laughs> simple things you can do to know God. This is it. Here's the thing. The most successful is not the word that I want to use, but it's the word that we probably would ascribe. The most successful Christians that you look up to, you know, you think of the people that you go, man, they're just so close with God. They really discern the voice of God. It's like they've got a hotline to them. It's like, I promise you, there is five things they do and you can do them too. They don't have some kind of special, there's just five simple things, five disciplines of the Christian faith that if you adopt them and every single one of us can adopt them, you will grow closer to God, you'll hear his voice more, you'll discern his voice more, and you'll be more fruitful in your ministry. They're this simple. Like, honestly, you think I'm going to give, I'm just going to give you five bare-level things, and you might go, man, what's the secret? It's these five things. And you go, anything bigger? No, it's these five things that every single one of us can do. Number one is read Scripture. Yeah. I was hoping for something more spiritual, like climb a mountain and feel the wind in my hair. Or like, I can't even do that one, right? Like, read scripture. See, <laughs> here's an oof. I wrote this, this one, a little bit of just, it was an oof for me when I read it. And I, re- I read it because I wrote it. Just <laughs> See, it's interesting. Last week we were talking about the functions of the prophetic. And we go, man, I want to learn to prophesy. I want to learn to hear the voice of God. And it's funny that we have this massive hunger for the prophetic, but one of the biggest things we have is an apathy for Scripture. Let me put it this way. We want to know what God's saying so badly, but we don't care what He said. Yeah, <laughs> like, God, I want to know what you're saying. He's like, well, if you want to know, I've got, no, 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 no. no. I don't want to read what you said. I want the new wine. It'd be like me saying, 
honey, I want you to say something wonderful about me. And she's like, let me tell you what I said this morning. Take out the rubbish. You go, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear that bit. I just want to hear the bit, you know. See, we're so hungry to hear what God is saying, but we're so apathetic to reading what he said. You want to, here's the thing, you want to hear the word of God, there's a whole bunch already written and you don't have to have a spiritual experience at all. It's there, laid out for every single one of us. But I promise you that the people who are the most prophetic, the people who you look at and go, man, it's like God's speaking to them all the time. They will say to you, one of the most important things they do in their life is read scripture. They go, you want to know what God says? I've been reading what he said. Every time someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to talk about like biblical prophecy with you. I go, okay, but can we spend an hour talking about biblical history first? It's one of the, seriously, if you ever want to shut down a doomsday conversation <laughs> and they want to come to you and go, I want to talk about the mark of the beast and all this sort of stuff in the revelation. You go, okay, cool. But first, can we talk about biblical history? Can we talk about what God's done? If you want to talk about that, can we talk about Nero first? And they go, no, I don't want to. And you go, well, then I don't want to talk with you. And then the conversation's done. You don't even have to worry about it. It's great. So we're so interested, so hungry to hear what God is saying, but we're not interested in what he's already said. And I wonder whether if we honestly appraised ourselves, and and again, I'm I'm including myself in this, is, is it that we're less interested in hearing the words of God and more interested in being the mouthpiece of God? I'm actually not interested in what God has to say. I'm just interested in being the one that gets to say it which is a big oof. Or or maybe if I could borrow some language from what we've been using over the last couple of weeks, perhaps we're more interested in the superstitious event than the supernatural effect. Say that again. Perhaps we're more interested in the superstitious event, I heard from God, than the supernatural effect. And that caused me to change my trajectory. See, because if that's the case, there's no, super, there's no superstitious event when we're reading Scripture. We go, I'm just reading. I know how to read. But the supernatural effects are the same. So number one, read Scripture. Number two, begins with P. Pray. Pray. So deep. So unattainable. These mythical things that these highly spiritual Christians do, that we can all do. Pray. Pray. You don't know how to pray. There are so many resources teaching you how to pray now. It's not even funny. We're looking at put. I'm, you know, we just did one about praying with your spouse. I've got some more in the works at the moment about building our prayer life. Learning to pray again. These people will tell you. You go, man. It's like you've got a direct. One of the easiest ways to hear my wife's voice is to talk to her. It's a, like I know I'm, I'm really milking this today because she's here, but it's a good like it's a good analogy. She's like, I'm never coming again. I'll go back on the children's <laughs> roster every week of my life. pray Jesus said when you pray he he had this expectation that they would pray we can't expect to hear from God and grow and know God if we don't spend time with him in prayer I don't feel like I need to labour on that one because I think we get it I've lost my here we go Number three is this, worship sacrificially. Worship sacrificially. What do I mean by that? Well, often it's really easy to worship with the things that we enjoy. Right? We go, I love this song. I love this worship night. Or whatever. And then someone goes, oh, we should do that. I don't like that song. Well, I don't. So, but worship is not about us. And one of the ways that we get to know God is when we worship and it's about Him. And one of the ways that we know that it's about Him and not about us is when there's a sacrifice required from us. When actually it's not all like, man, I had this worship time and I felt awesome. It's like, man, I had this worship time and we glorified God. And that's not just about singing. The Bible says, like one of the ways, and Jesus talked about this in the yieldedness, because you'll find that all five of these things will fit into coming to Him, yielding to Him and abiding in Him. Worshipping sacrificially is about yielding to Him. It's about, like, it's, it's our giving, right? It's, it's the idols in my life when I go, oh, I don't really want to give. And it's like, that's how you know it's worship. <laughs> I don't really want to sing that hymn. That's how you know it's worship. 
I don't really want to be kind to that person. That's how you know it's worship. When we worship sacrificially, we get to know the one we're worshiping. When we worship selfishly, we just get to know ourselves. Number four. Fellowship. The Bible talks about this. Don't forsake the gathering together. You know, one of the things that we believe as Baptists is that actually discerning the mind of Christ requires the body. That each of us see in part. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 13. He says each of us see in part. And so that if we want to accurately discern the voice of God and accurately get to know God, one of the things that requires is us being together. And yet one of the first things that we'll forsake is togetherness. You go, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Fine. But I do think we have to gather together, whether that's in this building, the church. Church is not a place. It's a people. Like It's the gathering of the saints, the believers. So I don't have to gather to be a Christian. Fine. But if you want to discern the voice of God, I'd submit you do. If you want to get to know God better, I'd submit you do. Because I know that I know God better as part of a body than I do on my own. Because we can't live in isolation. First thing that God said was it's not good. for me. The first thing that God called not good was isolation. He created the heavens and the earth, the birds, all these. It was good, it was good, it was good. And then he said it's not good for man to be alone. And every single person here who's married to a husband says amen. Because you leave that person alone for 10 minutes. <laughs> good grief. You leave them in charge of the baby for half an hour and good grief, they're doing Superman around the living room. It's like... Because when we're on our own, we go, that's a great idea. When we're together, we go, but is it a God idea? So you want to come closer to Him? Prioritize fellowship. Don't make it an optional extra on a Sunday morning or, or your life group an optional thing. You want to get close to God. You want to get better at discerning the voice of God. Prioritize fellowshipping with Him. And then finally, number five, it's everybody's favorite. Serve. It's serve. You know, the, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is not dead because it doesn't have an inflow. The Dead Sea is dead because it doesn't have an outflow. And so everything that pours into it just stagnates. Because we were created to serve. Again, the Holy Spirit's in you and on you. There's an inworking and an outworking. And we go, oh, I love the inworking. But here's the thing, if we don't have an outworking, the inworking goes stale. And then you go, you say things like this, I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm fellowshipping, I'm doing all these things, but I just feel so stagnant. Might I submit that the thing you're missing in your life is the privilege, and I say privilege, of serving. The Bible says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. When we serve others, we serve Jesus. When we serve Jesus, we get to know Jesus. You want to know the heart of God? Serve him. Serve others. Remember Shane talked about this last week. There's, only, there's one definition in the Bible of this. Is this what it means to know me? And it's a Jeremiah. It says he took care of the needs of the poor, the oppressed, the widow, and the alien. Is this not what it means to know me? The only definition in Scripture of knowing God is serving others. To know God means to serve others. You want to discern the voice of God? We discern the voice of God by knowing Him. How do we know God? We come to Him in repentance. We yield to Him in obedience. We abide in Him in residence. And we can do these three things through these five simple tools. They're not profound. They're not unattainable. Reading Scripture, praying, worshipping sacrificially, fellowshipping and serving because when we serve each other, we serve Him.
when you know, this is your last note, when you know the speaker, you'll have no problem discerning the voice. When you know the speaker, you'll have no problem discerning the voice. So this week, where do you need to come to God? Where do you need to yield to him? Where do you need to come back and abide in him? And which of those five areas could you engage with in a more meaningful way this week? Because I promise you, you'll come closer to him, he'll come closer to you, and you will hear his voice. Because Jesus has so much more to say to you. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you speak, that you are still speaking, that you have sent your Holy Spirit and so that even though the world does not see you, we see you and we know you. And your sheep, those who know you, hear your voice. Lord, I thank you that the invitation here this morning to every single one is to know you, to come to you in repentance, to yield to you in obedience, and to abide in you in residence. Your word says that you have prepared a place for us. Lord, may no one from this place leave this morning without knowing that they are invited to be your sheep. And Lord, may we respond to that challenge. Lord, whether we've been Christians for five minutes, 50 years, may we respond to the challenge this morning to grow in the knowledge of you. And as we know you, will we recognize you? May we recognize you in our church, in our homes, in our marriage, and in our communities, and in the mission that you have given each one of us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.